you and I have been offered the greatest love in the universe. And not just experience it for ourselves. But we have been offered the greatest love in the universe to indeed experience for ourselves, but also to share with others. But we first have to receive it. And then we have to understand that armed with this love, we have to give it away. And our measure will never run out. When we talk about the love of God, when we talk about agape, that's what we're talking about. If you'll turn in your Bibles or open in your Bible apps to Matthew chapter 22, that will be the primary course of Scripture um, from which I will, I will preach from and make reference to. It'll be Matthew 22, 35 through 39. I'll give you a moment to turn there. And that moment has passed. Matthew 22, 35. Let's start reading. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37. And Jesus said to this lawyer, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. And Mark references, and with all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is equal to it. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When talking about love, Jesus made some really profound statements here. Number one, Jesus says that with the same love with which God loves you, which that word is agape, with the same love with which God loves you, you shall love him back. And you shall do it with everything within you. See, a lot of times we think of agape love as just being love from the Father. And Jesus is saying, the same love you've been given, you're going to love God back. Number two, Jesus says that loving God is a choice and we make it with our soul. The entirety of our soul, made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, it chooses to love. And the third really profound statement that Jesus made was, Jesus says that with the same love with which God loves you, again, agape love, you shall love every other person. Love is not an emotion. Not this kind of love. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action and a behavior that represents a commitment. A commitment to love. A commitment to trust. A commitment to believe. A commitment to walk with Him. Love is action. Love is a commitment. So what is agape? Let's just unpack that for a minute. 
as Christians, we all know the short and easy answer that we have locked and loaded. And I'm here to tell you the, the short and easy answer that I think we probably would respond. It's just, it's just not quite enough. It's just inadequate. And that answer would be that agape is unconditional love, right? It's just not strong enough. It's not strong enough of a descriptor of what God's love is, of what agape is, of the ways that we can love him back and that we can love others because he loved us. Unconditional love is just insufficient in its expression. More fully, agape love is called out of one's heart by the preciousness of the object love. It is a love of esteem, of evaluation. It has the idea of prizing. Agape love prizes and esteems the recipient more than the circumstances would dictate that person should be valued at or that thing should be valued at. It's greater. It is not kindled by the merit or the worth of its object, but it originates in its own God-given nature. Agape love is giving. Agape love is selfless. St. Thomas Aquinas said this, love is based in the will of God to do good to another. Love is based in the will of God to do good to another. And so whether that person is us and we are the recipient of love or whether that speaks to goodwill being done to someone else. And so we are the giver of God's agape. It still applies. And it's not just that God loves. God is love. He is love. This isn't just something he does. See, for us, I ain't love. And, and you're wonderful. But you love. For us, love is that action. For God, he is love. Now there's action that follows. But he is love. Do we get that? Romans 5, 1-5 says this. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance well, it produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through who? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love pours into us through the Holy Spirit. 
Just as God's salvation and grace has been freely given to us, so does His love flow freely into us and through us through the Holy Spirit. God is love. And we are to be imitators of God. It says so in Ephesians 5, 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Be an imitator of God. Walk in love. Jesus perfectly represented the Father. Jesus perfectly represented the Father's love. We are to be imitators of Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about the origin of this word agape because I find it really exciting. I hope you find it as much, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm still going to be tickled. Even if you don't find it near as interesting as I do, I walk out here just kind of giddy like because I think it's so cool. Because we we as, as Christians, I mean, going back to you know early followers of Jesus, we basically read this word. So when Jesus quotes Old Testament scripture, he is quoting what language? When he's quoting Old Testament scripture? Hebrew, okay? He's quoting Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for love is ahava. Ahava, okay? That's what love is. But the language that Jesus spoke and that Jesus taught in is kind of like a cousin to Hebrew, and it's called Aramaic. And the Aramaic word for love is rachma. I'm supposed to make another rachma, rachma. There's, there's more k there. I'm, I'm not giving it the proper k, but rachma. That's the Greek word for love. But the followers of Jesus, who were to write and pin out the New Testament, right? They were to be the scribe authors. They're, they're hearing from the Holy Spirit, and they are writing the New Testament. They wrote it to a broader audience. And they wrote it in Greek. So as they were spreading the good news of Jesus, they did so in Greek. And the words that they translated into they didn't they didn't have some form of ancient dictionary they were using when they when they came across the word Greek or when they came across the word agape because that word already existed. that word meant love and, and it meant nothing near as powerful as what we know it as. What they did is they took that Greek word for love, agape, and they said, okay, here's this word. What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus demonstrate? And they recrafted the entire meaning of of the word agape, which at first wasn't a word that had to do with the love of God. It just was another word for love. It says phileo is brotherly love, just as eros is a, is a sensual kind of love. Agape was another word for love, and they redefined it. The church, Christians redefined it based on the example, the life, the teachings, the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So when we're talking about the love of God, 
we can't just flippantly throw out a short phrase. This is our opportunity to talk about the love of God. The greatest love that's ever been and ever will be offered to us and available through us to touch other people with that same love. What a responsibility, but what a blessing. What an honor. I talk about the honor of leading the church and pointing you to Jesus. Friends, we have the honor to open ourselves up through the power of the Holy Spirit and to receive the flow of love into our lives and then to bless others with it. Never running out of measure for ourselves. It's remarkable. So back to our story. When Jesus was asked about the greatest command, Jesus referenced the Torah, Hebrew law, faith of God. And he said that we are to love God. And as he referenced passages in the Torah, he referenced first Deuteronomy 6, 5. When the lawyer asked him the question, what's the greatest? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus Quoted Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And after answering that question of what's most important, and Jesus responded, love God. He didn't miss a beat. And he immediately quotes another passage in the Torah that says, love your neighbor. It's Leviticus nineteen eighteen. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So which is more important? Loving God or loving your neighbor? You know what this answer is? Yes? The answer is yes. Well, no, I don't, I don't think you understood Jesus. What's more important? Loving God or loving us. Yes. You see, they can't be separated. They can't be separated. It's, it's two sides to the same coin. Yes. Love God. Love others. Love God. Love others. Be an imitator of Christ. Love God. Love others. Who's your neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. Anyone that's not you. That is your neighbor. Strangers. Are strangers my neighbor? Yes. What about the person next door to me? They are literally your neighbor. You shouldn't even ask that. Literally your neighbor. But yes. Agape love is not a feeling of something that has happened to you. Although we are creatures of feeling, we have been created with emotion and we have been created with a will and we've been created with a mind. So we will feel. We will feel. Okay? But that's not what determines our love. Let me explain. Hypothetical situation. Girls, you were in high school. 
you went to a basketball game. And in this basketball game, you saw this handsome boy. He was dreamy. And he locked eyes with you and he smiled at you. And you felt something. And you felt, I'm in love. You felt something and it felt wonderful. That feeling happened to you. Right? That feeling happened to you. You benefited from that feeling, right? So let me, let me break it down for the boys. Boys, you were in high school and you went to the mall and in the mall they had this magical place called the food court and you saw this pizza and this angel in white in a white hat he scooped a slice of it and the cheese just hung down and you smelled it and you saw it and your mouth is watering and you tasted it and it tasted as good as it looked and you felt love and you said I love pizza But feelings happened to you. For Jesus, love is not merely a feeling of something that happened to him like with you and I. For Jesus, love was an action. It was a decision to be completely obedient to the Father, to come to this, to represent the Father's love. To speak the Father's heart, to hear what the Father is saying, and just be the mouthpiece to the Father. And then to willingly pay whatever price was needed so that we could be loved, not just feel loved, not just have an experience, but that so that we could be deeply loved with the greatest love. And Jesus paid, I'll say, those prices. Any barrier that kept us from the love of God, Jesus paid for it. What are the barriers that keep us from the love of God? Hurts. That can keep us from the love of God. Shame or a sense of unworthiness, that can keep us from the love of God. Lies, that can keep us from the love of God. Boom, Jesus paid for it. Why? Love had nothing to do with a feeling. Love. Church, for you and I, we can't just talk about love. Jesus didn't just talk about love. He didn't just talk about love. If we look at the red letters in our Bible, Jesus demonstrated love. Yes, he talked about love. He didn't just talk about love. He demonstrated love in everything he did. You realize that even to the point where the tor- right towards the end, he had people that he was not happy with. 
They were coming against what he was preaching. They were coming against his message of love. They were coming against the truth that he was the son of God. They were coming against him and he, he wasn't happy about it. And there's times he had choice words for him. But let them know you are twisting. You should be representing my father. And instead you're twisting truth to serve your own needs. So how did Jesus demonstrate love for them? He allowed himself to be killed. He allowed his life to be taken by those who hated him. He demonstrated love. He also demonstrated love when three days after his death, he rose from the grave. He demonstrated power when he rose from the grave. He demonstrated that he is trustworthy. When he conquered death, when he grabbed the keys to Hades, to hell, and said, death has no power over those that will receive my love. Jesus served and he touched. He patiently explained and he taught. Jesus heals and he saves. In everything he did, he demonstrated love and everything he still does, he demonstrates love. This is how the Apostle Paul demonstrates or expressed God's love. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or what about the words of John? In 1 John 4, 8 through 9. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And then two verses later for John, this naturally led to a conclusion in verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So in our Christian faith, we have a faith that believes at the center of the universe, there is a being, there is God who is absolutely overflowing in love. That's our Christian faith. In the center of it all, there is a God who absolutely Loves and he loves absolutely. He loves unconditionally, but he loves demonstratively and patiently and consistently and faithfully. And it overflows to the world because he loves the world. We're included in that. That love perfectly demonstrated by the Son, Jesus, in obedience to the Father who took the debt of sin and abuse and shame and curse so that the world know that they are loved.
So the purpose of our existence, the purpose of our human existence is to receive this love from God and then to give it back out. Receive love from God and then to give it back out. That's the purpose of our existence. See, when we give that love back out, and that's that, that's music to, to the ears of God. That that's worship. That is service. That is sacrifice. It's beautiful. It smells amazing. It's a sweet smelling fragrance to Him. It touches His heart. And when He looks and and He just gushes His love, and we have that realization: Oh my God, I'm loved. Not based on what I deserved or done or who I am, but because he can't help it. He is love and he loves me for God and he loves me extravagantly. And that creates this awesome ecosystem of others focused, self-giving love. The greatest love. And that is agape. Agape.